Good evening. It's September the 11th. It's 8 p.m. here in Chicago. This is Transmit Show number 43. Let's go. And good evening. It's uh, Sunday, September the 11th, 2016. This is show number 43. I am Gummo. This is the show we call Transmits. Life from a Hacker's Perspective. And that's basically what we talk about here on the show. I wanted to welcome you to the show. This is our 43rd show. And so it happens to fall on the anniversary of the September 11th attacks. Fifteen years ago today, the United States witnessed one of the most horrible acts ever imagined. 
uh, put together by some ambitious people. Uh, and it happened 15 years ago today. And so normally here on the show, we talk about uh, the latest gadgets and gadgets. But today we're going to remember those and that uh, particular day in September the 11th, 2001. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about here in a moment. Uh, basically, we wanted to uh, just give a brief introduction on the show. If you are one of, if you are a first time listener, we wanted to welcome you to the show. And that's basically what we talk about here. It's uh, life from a hacker's perspective, and, and that perspective is mine, of course. Uh, who am I? I am a former black hat hacker. Uh, started freaking telephones in uh, the late 70s, early 80s, and grew up around all sorts of uh, telephone freaking opportunities and computer uh, hacking opportunities as well uh, growing up as a, as a kid in the 80s. I uh, got to play with a lot of uh, interesting devices and computers. And of course, grew into that along with everyone else uh, that had uh, their fingers in the IT section or sector or whatever. So I don't know. Uh, I guess that would the early 80s. So that's 30. So I'd say 34. I'd say about 34 years I've been... Uh, seriously playing with computers. I got my first uh, computer when I was, oh gosh, I think I was 11 or 12, and it was a um, Model TRS-80, Model 2. It was a TRS-80 Model 2. <laughs> it was made by Radio Shack. Uh, and if you're not really sure who Radio Shack was, back in back in the, the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and some of the 90s, for that matter, there was a chain of electronic stores called Radio Shack. And now, of course, you have stores like Fry's and Best Buy and um, the big box chain electronic stores. Uh, but back then, we had Radio Shack, and that was pretty much it. And, but not, not to take anything away, uh, Radio Shack really had some cool stuff. Uh, it, and they always, if you couldn't find it, their stores were very small, by the way. Uh, the best Radio Shacks that you could find would be in a mall and uh, some big setting. Usually in a mall, the, the, the big Radio Shack stores would be there with pretty much anything you needed. Or if it was a Radio Shack that was in a large metropolitan area, uh, you could find what you needed there. But uh, we had a lot of fun growing up back in the uh, 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s. <laughs> and Radio Shack was the de facto standard for finding that uh, one fared capacitor that you just couldn't find anywhere else. And so, and again, if, you, they'd never, if they didn't have it in the store, you could order it uh, at Radio Shack and then they would call you. Uh, and in some instances, they would send you a letter in the mail, letting you know that your order had uh, arrived at that particular store. It was very cool, very cool time. Uh, and I'm not sure if there are any Radio Shacks still around. I know they closed up. Uh, the recession pretty much stamped a nail in their coffin. But uh, Radio Shack was pretty much done in by their own format. They were small stores, as I said. And, you know, these, the big box, they just could not compete with uh, 
you know, Walmarts and Best Buys and Fry's and all of these specialty electronic stores. Uh, got to got to actually play with my first. Uh, it was called a it was called a digital audio tape recorder, a DAT. It, it was a it was a technology that came and went in the '90s, and DAT was a digital cassette tape. It was a digit. So you you probably don't know what a cassette tape is, but if you do, if you're old enough to remember, uh, this was the digital version of a cassette tape, and if you uh, search the internet. You will find out exactly what DAT uh, recorders and players were, and they were they were quite expensive. Uh, and so, I actually discovered DAT, and again, everybody called them DAT. Uh, and I got I actually purchased my first DAT recorder. Uh, it was a portable Marantz DAT recorder, and come to find out, you know, years later, that musicians actually preferred DAT over anything else uh, just because it's its sound was so amazingly clear um, and you could record and uh, f- you now I'm, I'm dating myself here but back then you had uh, technologies that would record to CDs and those used uh, technologies called Philips Red Book Philips Blue Book and so DAT actually supported that technology back then and of course MIDI uh, PCM and all of that stuff. So it, it was a, it was a shoe in for musicians and people who really were into recording uh, high quality uh, material. And so it was it was uh, certainly an int- it, it was my first introduction to uh, DAT. And uh, so I write there at Radio Shack. And years later, in the early '90s, uh, they tried to replace DAT with a technology called DCC digital compact cassette and it was it was it was kind of weird uh as different technologies tried to compete and outperform compact discs and so you had a lot of weird formats but those are two in specific that i remember uh from radio shack actually uh that you could actually purchase uh on the consumer level and uh, have an amazing you know semi-amazing experience with uh, but check it out, you know, it's DAT and DCC. And then, of course, Radio Shack also uh, sold computers. They manufactured their own computers in Texas. And then, of course, uh, they, for a number of years, they sold what were referred to as IBM clones. And it, it was it was kind of a strange uh, exploratory time if you were into computers and you owned PCs and you were playing around with uh, basic DOS operating systems, and then, you know, you had the Macintosh, uh, but th- that was, you know, owning a Mac was, I don't know, it was in, I mean, we had a Mac and everything like that, but that was the computer that sat out in the family room, and, you know, like your mom did the budget on it or something like that, or um, like, for instance, growing up in my home, uh, my mom did all of the monthly bills and all of that stuff on the Mac and also ran my father's business. And so it was it was kind of used in that regard. And then, of course, you would tinker with your IBM clone PC, uh, and that would be made by any number of people, uh, including Radio Shack. So a little history lesson for you there if, if you uh, just wanted to know a little bit of the evolution of uh, 
you know, modern day computers and so on and so forth. Now, of course, though, we carry uh, computers that are 50 times faster or 150 times faster in our pockets. Most, most, uh, most people know them as an iPhone or uh, simply Android phones. And, oh, man, wow, has, how has that taken off uh, over the past nine years? You know, uh, I can remember uh, in 2006, we were getting some hints of this new magical device coming out from Apple and all this other stuff. And they teased it for the longest of t- longest time in t- uh, you know, 2006. Everybody started getting wind of, you know, the, the new, this new device that uh, Apple was working on, but they, you know, it really wasn't revealed until 2007. But if you were in the know back then, you kind of knew what was going on and what was next. We'll walk down history lane. And of course, there's, you know, there's much more, which leads us up to this and what you're listening to the podcast here uh, on as well. But, uh, you know, and normally, normally we do the show in segments. We, we, you know, we'll talk about the news. We'll answer some emails. We'll talk about some interesting gadgets here or there, but uh, again, it's the it's September the 11th, and uh, one thing that I wanted to uh, sort of do is kind of travel down memory lane a little bit. It was a um, it was it was a tough day 15 years ago, September the 11th, and uh, the interesting thing is that you know I actually have an intern at work that is. Uh, uh, He actually does not remember, you know, he doesn't remember September the 11th because, you know, of course, he was a child, a baby at that point. And so it's interesting uh, sometimes sitting down, explaining to the younger generation, you know, what exactly, you know, what September 11th meant to me and what I was doing during that time period. Uh, And it was it was it was interesting. It was very interesting. It was an interesting day, and a lot of people. One of the main one of the main questions that I hear quite often is, uh, "Where were you on September the 11th? What were you doing?" And um, over the years, that see this seems to be true. Uh, a lot of people want to know, you know, what, what, where were you that that morning, and so on, and. Um, you know, you never forget, especially during a traumatic time like that. Uh, and um, so that's kind of one of the things I wanted to do was remember uh, all of the heroes of that day, uh, the police officers, the firefighters, the average citizen going in and helping uh, their their fallen their fallen uh, brother or sister. And it was it was uh, an interesting day. So. Uh, I can remember, uh, you know, so again, you know, people ask me all the time, not all the time, but when, when the discussion comes up on September the 11th, they're like, you know, well, hey, Gamma, where were you on September the 11th? And I, I can remember, remember the day uh, quite clearly, actually. It was, uh, it was a nice, clear day. Uh, I was actually visiting uh, my family in Jacksonville. I at the time I was living in uh, Haifa, Israel, and so I was visiting my family. That, uh, you know, that summer, 
in Jacksonville. And we had, I had actually taken uh, the kids to the local school uh, and took, t- took them to class, walked them to class. That's, you know, back then we could walk our kids to class, not school, but to class. Uh, and uh, so I took the kids uh, to class. Uh, I was with my wife and her and I, we dropped the kids off at school and got in the car and uh, we had some errands to run that morning. It was just a typical Monday, what was it, Monday or Tuesday morning? I, I don't remember the day, but I think it was Tuesday. Um, but it was it was a nice day. It was, uh, and this is in Jacksonville, of course, but the sun was shining. It was the dew was starting to burn off of the car. Uh, you know, your typical clear, beautiful uh, start to the work day. And so that's what we were going to do. We were going to ride down to uh, the beach and uh, grab some breakfast and then uh, just sort of enjoy the day. You know, again, I was visiting. I was on vacation. Uh, so we... Uh, we dropped the kids off at school and we got in the car. And so I had to stop at, uh, I had to stop at the post office. And so I went into the post office and, um, I don't know, it's about 10 minutes till nine, something like that. And on the radio every morning back then, we used to listen to this really absurd DJ from Tampa, uh, I forgot his name. It was uh, some. Uh, I, I just don't remember his name. But it was really he was really uh, an obnoxious morning show DJ, and the kids loved him. And it was just you know something that we did. And so that was on. And so I you know I pulled up to the post office, and I'm like, okay, hey, you know I'll be right back. Let me run into the post office real quick and. Uh, you know, I was probably in the post office for about 10, 15 minutes. And then I came out to the car. Uh, you know, we, the car was running, uh, and, I got in the car and I looked over at my wife and she had looked, her face had looked really ashen <laughs> and withdrawn. And, you know, I, I'm looking around like, you know, like what, 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 what's going on? You know, like, and she she's like, listen to this. And so she reached over and turned up the radio. And normally where you hear this absurd DJ, you know, talking all kinds of crap uh, and being rude and, and obnoxious and telling, you know, you get it. Uh, there was this weird, it was like a live stream coming in from New York City. And it was, um, you know, the announcer was like, uh you know, there's been some planes crashing into the bed. Well, nevertheless, let let me uh, take you back to that moment that I had heard uh, what was going on. And uh, a- after you uh, spend a few moments on that, uh, we'll we'll come back and we'll chat about it a little bit. So this is the the morning of September the 11th, uh, right as uh, the first planes as the first planes or first plane rather uh hit the world trade center and this is what uh this is what was playing on the radio 
Good morning, America. I'm Charles Gibson. I'm Diane Sawyer, and it's Tuesday, September 11th, 2001. It is lunchtime in London, 5 a.m. in Los Angeles, and 8 a.m. here in New York, live from the CNN Financial News headquarters. It is beautiful outside, perfect September day with lots of sunshine. Oh, would you look at Washington, huh? I'm going outside today. Other than that, it's kind of quiet around the country. We like quiet. It's quiet. It's too quiet. Is that American 11 trying to call? We have some claims. Just stay quiet and you'll be okay. We're returning to the airport. The pilot, everyone's been stabbed. They're in the back of the airplane. They're not. Oh, the hijackers are in the cockpit. Oh, no. Okay, we just lost connection. CNN breaking news. This just in, you are looking at a, obviously a very disturbing live shot there. That is the World Trade Center, and we have unconfirmed reports this morning that a plane has crashed into one of the towers of the World Trade Center. There is a major incident in lower Manhattan. We just got a report in that there's been some sort of explosion at the World Trade Center in New York City. Apparently, a plane has just crashed into the World Trade Center. We understand that a plane has crashed into the World Trade Center. We have serious news of a major possible air crash in the United States. An incredible plane crash into the World Trade Center. That happened within the last few moments. Just a few moments ago, something uh, believed to be a plane crashed into the South Tower of the World Trade Center. We have no idea what it was. It was a tremendous boom. A gigantic sonic boom. The air is filled with hundreds of thousands of pieces of paper that are just sort of floating like confetti. Stuff just started falling like bricks and paper and everything. When I looked over, there was this guy that was on fire. He was like screaming and I just told him to roll, roll, and he said he can't. He caught fire as a result of the falling debris? Yeah. Do you have any idea what hit the World Trade Center? We're getting reports that an airplane hit the building. I hear a plane, then all of a sudden I saw it go right into the World Trade Center. So right you saw a plane crash, crash into the side of the World Trade Center? Yes, sir. How big can you tell us? Give us an idea. It would be hard to imagine that a small plane could create that kind of hole in a building like the World Trade Center. These buildings are almost a city block size building. This is a large plane. You're talking about a large passenger commercial large jet. large passenger commercial jet. The Associated Press is now reporting that it was an aircraft. Back in the 40s, a plane hit the Empire State Building. In the 60s, a helicopter crashed at the, on the top of what was the Pan Am Building, now the MetLife Building. Remember, it is shortly before 9 o'clock East Coast time, so we suspect there would have been a great many people in the building and presumably on those top floors as well. There is considerable and, and truly terrifying damage on some of those floors at the top. More than 40,000 people work there and on any given day more than 100,000 business and leisure visitors come to the World Trade Center. All pilots who fly in this area know very well where the World Trade Center is located. Whenever people for Newark, Kennedy, or, or LaGuardia, when those planes are put into uh, rotation as they're waiting for landing, they circle around this area, which is right near the Statue of Liberty. Wind speeds at this point, not tremendous at all. Uh, flying conditions near perfect. Conditions. As you can see, this is a clear blue sky day in Manhattan. 
If this was an accident, it would be a needle in a haystack kind of accident. I'm afraid we've got a tragedy mm. on our hands. This is horrible. Have you seen any any evidence, Elliot, of, of people being taken out of the building? Uh, you say that emergency vehicles are there. This is other jet so, but of course, the major concern is human oh loss. I mean. <laughs> Oh, another one just hit. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, directly over my door. Oh, my goodness. Oh, God. There's another one. There was another one. I'm running away very, very quickly. There are more explosions further down the building. Explosion. The building's exploding right now. you got people running up the street. Everybody's panicking. Clearly, the thing is out of control. One of our producers said perhaps a second plane was involved. You saw a yes, plane? Yes, I just saw a plane go into the building. That looks like a second plane. It could be a 727 right there, maybe even bigger. This one into the East Tower. Yes. I wonder if there are air traffic control problems. Another passenger plane hitting the World Trade Center. These pictures are frightening indeed. This is so shocking, of course, to everybody watching. What we've just seen is, is about the most shocking videotape I've ever seen. What are the odds of two separate okay. planes hitting both towers? And now you, you have to move from talk about a possible accident to talk about something deliberate. This has to be deliberate, folks. Why do you say that was definitely on purpose? Because it just... It just flew straight into it. It literally flew itself into World Trade Center. I think we have a terrorist act of proportions that we cannot begin to imagine at this juncture. Oh, my God. My goodness. Oh, this is terrifying. Awful. That is a very hard thing to watch. To watch powerless is a horror. What we have been fearing uh, for the longest time here apparently has come to pass. President Bush has been informed of this incredible tragedy happening in New York. ABC's Peter Jennings is uh, at the anchor desk and is now in position. There is chaos in New York at the moment. There is confusion in Washington. The FBI is already investigating reports that a plane was actually hijacked. Early reports are that at least one of those planes was a hijacked American Airlines plane en route from Boston to Los Angeles. The crash of these two aircraft into the towers of the World Trade Center in New York appear to be an act of terrorism. We want to also remind people that uh, the World Trade Center bombing that took place on February 26th back in 1993, the product of a terrorist attack, the result of a terrorist attack that killed six people and injured more than a thousand and the explosion happened in a garage in the basement mm -hmm. this was a direct hit on the midsection or upper section of the tower so the potential for injuries and death much larger of course also some people on the planes we have no idea what the evacuation procedure is in the building when the impact hit the first tower okay. you would hope that people who were in the second tower were beginning to evacuate at this time all elevators are out in both towers according to the rescue workers on the scene and people will have a long horrendous, terrifying walk down in a darkened building. Can you characterize the, the scene down there right now for us? Thousands of people that have been running from inside these buildings, and they say there was just pandemonium. There was no warning, no alarms, no anything. Everyone just raced from their desks, ran downstairs, and now there's a steady stream of folks running away from the building. The person who answered the phone on the trading floor at interdealer broker Cantor Fitzgerald, located near the top of the World Trade Center, said, 
were blanking dying when asked what was happening and hung up. There was screaming and yelling in the background and a follow-up call was not answered. I gather the city is ordering a major evacuation from a number of public buildings and a number of these very high-profile targets. They're going into uh, what they call an Archangel operation, which is a code name for uh, essentially a major lockdown of the city, evacuating the United Nations building, the municipal building, City Hall, Gracie Mansion, which is the mayor's residence. David Gregory is now on the phone. Yes, Katie, the president is about to begin an education event, which is obviously uh, being canceled. He was made aware en route from his hotel uh, to this school here in Sarasota, where he was going to talk about education. He'll make a statement, then we're told by White House officials uh, that he will quickly depart for Washington. David, Officials we're going to cut you off. President Bush is speaking. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a, a difficult moment for America. I um, unfortunately will be going back to Washington after my remarks. Secretary Rod Page and Lieutenant Governor <clears throat> will take the podium and discuss education. I do want to thank the folks here at, uh, at the Booker Elementary School for their hospitality. Uh, today, we've had a national tragedy. Uh, two airplanes have crashed into the World Trade Center in an apparent terrorist attack on our country. I have spoken to the Vice President, to the Governor of New York, to the Director of the FBI, and have ordered that the full resources of the federal government uh, go to help the victims and their families and, the, and to conduct a full-scale investigation to hunt down and to find those folks who committed this act. Terrorism against our nation will not stand. And now if you join me in a moment of silence. May God bless the victims, their families, and America. Thank you very much. president clearly shaken, I think one can say, saying the two things which a president must say, terrorism will not stand, and God bless the victims and their families. Aaron Brown uh, in New York City joining us now. Aaron, we can see over your uh, left shoulder there the, the building still smoldering. Well, it is uh, a grotesque sight to look at from about 30 blocks away from where we are. Senator Ted Kennedy is speaking in Washington as again. One of the planes was hijacked from Boston. We are not going to see the business of America uh, deferred because of terrorism, uh, whether it's in education or in other area of public policy. Uh, that's uh, Air Force One you see in Florida, the president on board. Extraordinary security around the plane before the president got on. This is election day, a primary election for mayor and city council races here in New York. That election has been postponed until further notice. There was a a convoy, I can't think of a better word, a convoy of fire and police trucks racing down the West Side Highway. And this is in the middle of rush hour. Every uh, available fire unit here has been brought to the Trade Center. Now a triage center uh, for the injured has been set up just around the corner from the World Trade Center. It's um, an incredible scene down there. We have a report of, of six people dead and a thousand injured, but those numbers are certainly going to go up. The trading on the New York Stock Exchange has been suspended. Uh, Newark and LaGuardia particularly have already suspended operations. The Empire State Building was put on alert. And now we have a no-fly zone 
um, all around the lower part of New York City. The Lincoln Tunnel has been closed here in New York. Bridges and tunnels coming into New York have been closed. Uh, that will create a whole different set of problems. Katie, I don't want to alarm anybody right now, but apparently there was an explosion of some kind here at the Pentagon. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, there is smoke pouring out of the Pentagon. Chris Plant, a CNN producer, is at the Pentagon where there is a significant fire. Chris, you're on the phone. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can hear you just fine. Tell me what you know. Claire, let me interrupt you for a second. We now have fire confirmed at the Pentagon. I've John McCrethy at the Pentagon can hear me. John, please get in touch immediately if you can and brief us in there. John McCarthy has actually been evacuated from the Pentagon. Associated Press is reporting that a plane crashed at the Pentagon. The heart of the military uh, command center of the United States of America, John. It can't get much worse than this, let's hope. Claire, what's that we're looking at? Well, that's what we're trying to figure out right now. It's like nothing uh, I've ever seen. There's something going on behind the old executive office building. We are also getting reports now that there is a fire on the mall in Washington. The car bomb has exploded at the State Department. There is a plane circling the White House at the moment. A white plane, a very big jet. The Secret Service was very concerned, pointing up at the jet in the sky. The Secret Service received what AP is describing as a credible threat of a terrorist attack against the White House itself. The people who came out were told and ordered by the Secret Service to run. I'm in front of the Capitol, and a moment ago, police officers ran up to us and told us, and I quote, there is a plane that has been hijacked and is headed this way. There has been an explosion of some kind at the Capitol. And back toward the Supreme Court area, we just heard a low, muffled thud. It sounded like a small explosion. Sirens are going off around this city like you cannot believe. Now anything is possible. We want to hold our breath here, it just seems to me, for a second, and, and not get into a mode that the country is under attack. We are a nation under siege. Tell everybody that uh, heightened security is important now. The word of the day is steady. Steady. This does seem to be surreal, but in fact it is real. Whatever is happening and whoever is responsible, we have no way of knowing if it's played out yet or if it's just going on. So every time we hear a plane go by, we wonder what the situation is and right. where it is headed. The police have been sent to Union Station. A bomb squad has been sent to Union Station, which, as you know, John, is located just a couple of blocks from the Capitol. All military personnel in the, in the District of Columbia are now on something that is called threat level delta, which is the highest state of alert in the military. Some of the Secret Service now patrolling the perimeter in Lafayette Park, which is directly across from the White House, have automatic rifles drawn. The president is in Florida this morning, so the president is not in any danger, but the White House, of course, is fully operational, whether the president is there or not. It should be noted that there are sharpshooters on the roof of the White House who have anti-aircraft missiles for just this kind of situation. We now are being told that the U.S.-Mexican border has been sealed. The U.S.-Canada border is also in a high state of alert. International flights headed for the United States are being sent to Canada now. There's a report of a second hijacked plane heading towards the Pentagon. We are also being told that the FAA has suspended takeoffs and landings. And I want to make sure I get this right, guys, that in all uh, at all airports around the country. This is a major development. The Federal Aviation Administration has shut down all air traffic nationwide. 
This country has been immobilized by these terrorist attacks in terms of air travel today. Chad, just, uh, and if you don't know, just say you don't know. Do you, can, can you recall a situation where every airport in the country had been shut down? Absolutely not, except in wartime. We have a report that uh, there is a fire at the State Department as well. That is being evacuated. The White House is being evacuated. The Pentagon is being evacuated. The Capitol, the Treasury Building also being evacuated. The Justice Department is now being evacuated. The United Nations has been evacuated. All federal office buildings in Washington, D.C. Uh, are being evacuated. The Sears Tower in Chicago has been evacuated. Los Angeles International Airport, LAX, has been evacuated. Disney World in Orlando uh, has been evacuated. Um, someone said to me a moment ago, before the day is over, everything's going to be shut down. All museums and monuments in Washington are now shut. Uh, including the National Zoo. Uh, John, um, tell us as best you can what the government's national security apparatus uh, will do right now. I mean, what, what do you guess is happening and where is it happening? As the president was on his way back from Florida, we are told by sources a security decision was made that at this time not to bring him back to Washington, so he was brought to one of several military installations in the United States. Vice President Cheney directing operations and monitoring things here at the White House in the White House Situation Room. From the White House Situation Room, a president or a vice president can direct a war. It is accessible to all information from the United States military, from the Federal Emergency Management Agency from the Federal Aviation Administration in this case. The White House Situation Room is a bomb shelter. That's either U.S. Uh, uh, Air Force or Navy aircraft, uh, fighter aircraft, now on patrol, lest there be one more attempt. Wow. And some Jamie, people were... Jamie, I need you to stop for a second. There has just been a huge explosion. We can see uh, a billowing smoke rising. Let's go to the Trade Tower again because, John, we now have... I, what do we have? We don't... It looks like a, a new plume, a new large plume of smoke. Oh my God! Oh my God! Oh my God! We're not sure exactly what happened, but it was another explosion on the far side of one of the buildings from where we're standing. The, ver the, the reverberation and another explosion on the right-hand side. And I can't, I'll, I'll tell you that I can't see that second tower but there was a cascade of sparks and fire, and now this, it looks almost like a mushroom cloud. What is behind it, we're, I, I cannot tell you. But just look at that. That is about as frightening a scene as you will ever see. The whole side has collapsed? The whole building has collapsed. The whole building has collapsed? The building has collapsed. It pulled it down on itself. You can see this extraordinary plume of smoke uh, that is, or was at least, the second tower of the World Trade Center. You could, from where we were standing, see that second building, but you can't see it anymore. There is panic on the streets, thousands of people running up Church Street. We're talking about massive casualties here at the moment. This is a place where thousands of people work. Over the police radios among the emergency workers, um, I can hear them screaming, calling for help at the triage center where other people who were already injured have been injured more. We heard a big bang and then we saw smoke coming out and everybody started running out and we saw the plane on the other side of the building and there was smoke everywhere and people are jumping out the windows over there they're jumping out the windows i guess because they're trying to see themselves i don't know bodies started dropping from the top floors of the uh, 
tower closest to the highway. Obviously, they had two choices, to be burned into, in flames or to uh, leap and end it all. It was quite tragic. Whew. That is extraordinary. My God. Now, anybody who's ever watched a building being demolished on purpose knows that if you're going to do this, you have to get at the at the under infrastructure of a building and bring it down. It looked like the top part of the building was so weakened by the fire that it just the weight of it collapsed the rest of the building. That's what appeared to happen. They were not designed perhaps to take a direct strike from something the size of a 737 or perhaps a, an Airbus, perhaps fully loaded with fuel. Steel will melt. This is the scene in Lower Manhattan right. where these scenes of chaos and utter confusion are just mind-numbing. The FBI uh, rescue operations and other FBI operations are really in chaos right now because they can't reach their officials in New York. All of their phone lines are down. And now you've got all of their special experts on this stuck in Monterey, California, trying to get a military flight back because there are no longer commercial flights. At the scene now at the World Trade Center, because of the concerns of the structural stability of the remaining tower, they are now evacuating their own command post and triage center, and they have to find an even further zone to move that to. Maybe there's three of us in this office. We're not ready to die, but it's getting bad. I understand that. We don't have anything to say. I know you do, but it doesn't seem like you've got lots of people up here. Oh, God! And there's, you can see, perhaps the second tower, the front tower, the top portion of which is collapsing. Oh, there it goes, there it goes, there it goes, there it goes. They seem to have the north problem at the North Tower. Oh, my God. Good Lord. There are no words. America, offer a prayer. One has to assume that thousands of lives have been extinguished. May uh, God help those who are there and the victims and their families uh, and all the souls that are lost today. And take a look at the poignant picture you see there. The Statue of Liberty, folks, is still standing. There's a, there's a haze everywhere. It's very, very difficult to see, but there has been a, a whole area has been covered by soot and ash. But it looks almost like snow, so as people are coming up the street running from the scene of this new explosion. We have a report that there has been a collapse, a collapse at part of the Pentagon itself. There is now in New York and in northern New Jersey a critical shortage of blood. A blood shortage, we are being told, in Washington. United 93, go ahead. Uh, Captain, I would like to all to remain seated. We have uh, one aboard and we are going to back to the airport and have our demand. Did you hear uh, some interference on the frequency here uh, a couple of minutes ago, screaming? We have a report that a 747 uh, is down in Pennsylvania. I'm going to interrupt you, Senator McCain. These are the first pictures we have in. Uh, this is from Somerset County. Pennsylvania. This is United Airlines 93. This was a Boeing 757 bound from Newark, New Jersey to San Francisco. It crashed in Somerset County, Pennsylvania near the town of Shanksville. 
south of Pittsburgh. We are getting information now that one of the other buildings, Building 7 in the World Trade Center complex, is on fire and has either collapsed or is collapsed. CNN's Wolf Blitzer in Washington has been doing some reporting on the president, the president's activities. Wolf, join us. President is on his way back to Andrews Air Force Base right outside of Washington. We're told that uh, Air Force One is expected to land in about 15 minutes. We're also told it's being flanked by three U.S. Air Force fighter jets, two F-15s, one F-16. A remarkable situation, a remarkable development. All of my years covering the White House, I don't remember ever Air Force One returning to Andrews Air Force Base with uh, protective cover by fighter jets. I need to interrupt you. This is a Taliban spokesman. Uh, talking uh, now in Kabul, I believe. Uh, sources are telling CNN that there are, quote, good indications that people with links to the Osama bin Laden organization are responsible for today's attacks. Freedom itself was attacked this morning by a faceless coward. And freedom will be defended. Okay, so that's that was what we heard when I got in the car. And so I'm looking at her and she's looking at me and we were, we were due to go out to eat, but, uh, and have breakfast that morning. But, you know, I'm like, Hey, let's, let's go, let's go home and flip on CNN and see what's going on. So, uh, you know, as we were riding, as I was driving back home, we had canceled our, immediately our plans had canceled and changed. Uh, I had, you know, I jumped on the phone and called a few of my friends in Chicago and asked them if they were watching the television. They're like, yeah, man, you, you really should uh, get home and turn on CNN and see what's going on. And uh, so, you know, I called around to a few other people and they were like mesmerized. They're like, uh, one of my buddies, he was like, hey, man, I can't talk right now, though we're under attack and I'm like, you know, and, and I'm only like 10 minutes away from the house, but, uh, it felt like an, uh, a wholehearted, an eternity getting to the house within that 10 minutes, you know, uh, I wanted to see what was going on. And so, uh, you know, finally we, we arrived at the house, you know, not, no less than 10 minutes, uh, pulled into the driveway really quickly, jumped out of the car. Uh, and we went inside, we, uh, turned on the television and, um, I immediately went to my computer terminal. Uh, and at that point I had, I had two connections to the internet. I had an ISDN connection, don't laugh. And I had a dial up connection. And so, uh, and of course they were on two separate computers. And so, uh, I went and flipped on, uh, I logged on with my dial up connection and, uh, and logged on with my ISDN connection. And I was able to actually, uh, bring up s uh, some live news feeds, some live video news feeds of what was going on, uh, at that point. So at this point it's around, you know, nine fifteen, nine twenty, and so uh, we flipped on the TV. You know, as I said, the TV was on, and my wife comes running in into the uh, bedroom. She's like, "You really need to come check this out," because 
back then, uh, everything on the internet was still delayed. You know, the the only streaming media, true streaming media options that you really had were at, you were sort of at the um, mercy of the broadcasters. And, and most broadcasters was, were, you know, they were streaming with real media streams, so they weren't too reliable. Uh, so we went, we went to the, uh, living room and so it's about creeping up on nine thirty, And so this is what, this is what was going on around nine thirty that morning. Chief Pfeiffer made the first official report. We have a number of floors on fire. It looked like the plane was aiming towards the building. Transmit a third alarm. We'll have the staging area at Vesey and West Street. As we swung around in front of World Trade, my mind tells me, wow. This is, this is bad. What do we do? What do we do for this? We park right under the awning of One World Trade Center. Chief Pfeiffer puts his gear on, and I remember asking him, you know, Chief, can I come in with you? I want, I want to come in with you. And he says, yeah. Yeah, you stay with me. Come in with me, never leave my side. I go in and I hear screams and right to my right there was two people on fire burning. I just didn't want to film that. It was like no one, no one should see this. Pfeiffer was the first chief into the building. Right away, a guy from the Port Authority told him the damage was somewhere above the 78th floor. But all you had to do was look around. It was obvious. Something had happened right there in the lobby. You just, you just saw that all the windows were blown out. The lobby looked like the plane hit the lobby. I think a bomb went off in the lobby first, then a plane hit the building. But then another plane hit the other building. And but when I was coming through the doors on the other side of the trade center, something either they blew the lobby up or, or something because it blew the glass out of the doors and knocked us all down. And I got a uh, smoke and everything on me. I just feel a little shook up because I got blasted, you know. So I'm just trying to, you know. I worked in the building for 20 years. I was the person in charge of all the stairwells of the North Tower. And on 9-11, I had the only master key that opened the doors that rescued people. This is the master key. They call wow. it the key of hope. And uh, uh, basically, I was a janitor. Like I said, on that day, there was an explosion on the basement. And uh, this is prior to the building got hit by the plane. And then the plane hit. And then there was a series of uh, explosions afterwards. And a person comes running into the office uh, saying, explosion, explosion, explosion. His skin was pulled all 
from his armpits all the way to the top of the fingertips and pieces missing off his face. Immediately following the first attack, I implemented our government's emergency response plans. At this point, the Associated Press uh, with uh, a story that says there is uh, no report of any casualties uh, without jumping to too many conclusions, looking at the extent of this damage and uh, knowing how well populated that building is at that oh, now there's... Uh We had to get up to help people. We had to get up there. People pretty much said, why are y'all going up there? Get out. Their concern was to get everybody out. That was the key. As much people out as possible. Most of the people in Tower One came out on the mezzanine above the lobby. Then they'd get out through another building. All right, I want to use the lobby of seven as a triad. The chiefs didn't want anyone going through the lobby doors. First, it was because debris was falling outside. Then, it was people falling. You don't see it, but you know where it is. And you know that every time you hear that crashing sound, it's, it's a life which is extinguished. It's not something you could get used to. And the sound was so loud. I just remember looking up, thinking, how bad is it up there that the better option is to jump? And then we saw the people jumping. So we thought it was debris and we realized it was people jumping. Uh, during the time that the airplane coming in to the Pentagon uh, there was a young man who would come in and say to the vice president, the, the plane is 50 miles out, the plane is 30 miles out. And when it got down to the plane is 10 miles out, uh, the young man also said to the vice president, do the orders still stand? And uh, the vice president turned and whipped his neck around and said, of course the orders still stand. Have you heard anything to the contrary? Well, at the time, I didn't know what all that meant, and... Um, the flight you're referring to is the... The one flight that came into the Pentagon. Pentagon, yeah. That's almost two hours, <laughs> you know, where planes were flying around the skies of the United States with no military response. Coming across an article in a Canadian paper, the Jersey Widows learned it had been a routine for NORAD, the military apparatus in charge of air defense, to scramble fighters to intercept planes during suspected emergencies. 
fatal accident involving a Learjet flying a The women recalled one such incident no one that was heavily reported in 1999. Just 25 minutes into the flight, controllers lost radio contact with the pilots, and an Air Force F-16 on a training mission was sent to take a look. Ultimately, six military jets gave chase. The plane was tracked by the FAA on radar. At high levels, the military, even the White House, discussed what to do. Tell me what the difference was between those times and the day of September 11th. This is as close as we can get to the base of the World Trade Center. You can see the firemen assembled here, the police officers, FBI agents. You can see the two towers, a huge explosion now waiting to play on all of us. Nobody is. We made it outside, we made it about a block. We made it at least two blocks, two blocks. and we started running. Floor by floor, it started popping out. It was like, it was if, if it had detonated. Dead, yeah, it was detonated. Like they were yeah. to take down a building. Boom, 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 boom. All the way down. I was watching right. it and running. Oh my God. Jimmy, the second tower just went. building just collapsed on us, inside the lobby. Is that a secondary explosion? Yes, it was. That was so the... Was, yeah, definitely a secondary explosion. We was inside waiting to go upstairs, and on the way upstairs, the whole fucking thing blew. And we just, we just collapsed on everybody inside the lobby. Similar to the first tower coming down, secondary... I don't know about the first one, but I know the second was, it was terrible. Then there was a third one, too, after that one. That's right. Everybody was inside the building, waiting to go upstairs. And they, they just they just let loose. Everything just let loose inside the building. So what, what you told me is that there was plane or whatever hit the building, then a secondary explosion. It was like three explosions after that. We came in after the after the fire. We came when the fire was going on already. We was in the staging area inside the building, okay. waiting to go upstairs. Oh, and they oh, explode. Oh, the, whole, the whole lobby collapsed on the lobby inside. And it was just ma'am after that. Just man, everybody tried to wake their way out. Just trying to help all the brothers get out of here. A lot of people trapped inside. Yeah, here's one of the guys who can tell you I'm okay, all right? Here, hold on. You want to call, you, you call your mother or something? I remember getting a call from the uh, fire department commander telling me that they were not sure they were going to be able to contain the fire. I said, you know, we've had such terrible loss of life. Maybe the smartest thing to do is, is pull it. Uh, and they made that decision to pull. And then we watched the building collapse. For the third time today, it's reminiscent of those pictures we've all seen too much on television before when a building was deliberately destroyed by well-placed dynamite to knock it down. 
and I turned in time to see uh, what looked like uh, a skyscraper implosion. It looked like it had been done by a demolition crew. The whole thing just collapsing down on itself. The most obvious hypothesis for anyone looking at the films is that the buildings came down because there was very carefully controlled demolition with high explosives that had been planted weeks if not months before. This is controlled demolition. Zeker weten. Zeker weten. Er is nagesprongen. Dit is een opdracht gebeurd. Het heeft een team gedaan van experts. Maar dit is ook op 11 september gebeurd. Dezelfde dag? Dezelfde dag. Dezelfde dag? Weet je dat zeker? Ja. Was het zeker weten de 11e? Totaal heel waar zo. Zeven uur nadat de World Trade Center naar beneden viel. On 9-11. Uh, that jet fuel had to have been burning at about 750 degrees Fahrenheit. So if you have a flame at 750 degrees, you can hold that flame under a steel beam forever and you'll never reach a high enough temperature to bend steel, let alone melt it. About four or five o'clock in the afternoon, hundreds of construction workers came down there, maybe thousands, and volunteered. And the uplift of that was just tremendous. And I knew how dangerous it was. There were fires below the ground of 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit and more. You'd get down below and you'd see molten steel, molten steel running down the channel rails, like you're in a foundry. Well, you've been to the White House five times. You've been honored by the president, President Bush. You've met Hillary Clinton. That must have been quite an honor for you. It was an experience, uh, definitely. And at that time, I was basically uh, loaded to go into politics because they said, this is the guy that we need to get the Latino vote. And I was playing the whole game of politics because I was doing the activism. And uh, until the moment that I started to ask questions about what really happened on 9-11. And you may remember the whole thing about the 9-11 commission uh, right. to be formed and uh, basically became very active to get it uh, basically started and uh, what a surprise I uh, was one of the person that testified for the 9-11 Commission and my testimony doesn't appear on the final report so you know a after that it's it's creeping up on you know at this point the uh, the you know the, the the Twin Towers were burning uh, they they were smoking it was it was very bizarre it, it, it was the reason it was very bizarre was you know, the whole, it was like every news outlet in the world was focused in on uh, this this situation unfolding. Uh, and I remember there was a television antenna on top of the World Trade Center's towers. I'm not sure, I'm not sure if that was a CBS or an NBC affiliate uh, on top of the Trade Tower. But uh, I remember that one of them was knocked off the air. Uh, due to that, but they were back up rather quickly, but they were back up on this backup redundant antenna and whatever. And um, so, you know, I w at this point, the, b both of the buildings are smoking. Uh, reports are coming in from all over the country uh, that, you know, there's planes hitting the Pentagon, planes uh, going down. Uh, there was a missing plane. I believe that was Flight 93. That that was just straight up missing. Uh, and then here's some more of what was going on that morning. This is around coming up on 1030 at that point. This is about the time. Uh, and I. This is about the time that the buildings 
started to collapse. Let's update you on the afternoon's events in both New York and Washington. We'll bring you the very latest pictures. We'll play those in right now for you. What you're looking at is what is left of the World Trade Center. Just before two o'clock our time, two planes were flown into the World Trade Center. Smoke, the chaos is going right out to the Houston um, River. Um, this must be affecting thousands. All 110 floors of the building collapsed. That's, that's how it happened within the past uh, 40 minutes, uh, the actual building collapsed. We'll go back live now. That's downtown Manhattan for you. The World Trade Center's, uh, the World Trade Center buildings very close to Wall Street. I think you can just see the Empire State Building just slightly above our live logo. What happened in Washington was uh, that uh, a plane was also flown in to the Pentagon. Um, and that is, that is what the advice is. Right. Can you tell us a bit more there? You, you said that people had already begun to, uh, to save water and to take emergency procedures. Tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, um, well, I, I'm out here doing meetings with restaurants and they've all cancelled because uh, every restaurant in New York is now being told they've got to close down. Everyone must... Uh ...happened in the past 90 minutes or so in the United States. Uh, there was no immediate word on any injuries or fatalities following on from the planes going into the World Trade Center buildings. We're now being told from New York that the second tower has either begun to collapse or has indeed fully collapsed. Another building, 110 floors in height. The two buildings that make up the World Trade Center um, are home during office hours to about 50,000 people. Those pictures live from New York. Initially, the sources, the security sources in the United States were saying just six people had been injured. Obviously, looking at those pictures, more than six people are going to be injured. More than six people are going to have lost their lives today. Uh, as, as, as we were hearing earlier on here on BBC News 24. And so at that point, we were all just, you know, what can you do when you're watching uh, the, the, the towers collapse um, if, you know, right there on live television. It was, it was extremely bizarre uh, watching, watching these events unfold the way they did that morning. Uh, and so that's, you know, we sat around uh, completely shocked. Um, my buddy uh, Craig had come over and uh, he was, he was actually just out and about in the field, and he had swung by uh, to actually say, hey, you know, you should seriously see what's going on. But by the time he got over to the house, uh, it was my wife, Craig, and myself. Uh, we were watching this uh, in my living room, completely shocked. Uh, and and so I had, I had my two computer streams going in the bedroom, and... You know, at that point, it was just like, you know, what else can go wrong? You know, like the, you just watched the uh, World Trade Center towers fall. And so uh, I went, I was in my bedroom on 
my uh, computers and I was I was getting feeds in. The most reliable feed I remember that morning was from the BBC's website uh, in the UK. It was every other website was slow or non-responsive, like MSNBC, like any, back then there wasn't a Google, there was not, there was no Google News. Um, There was none of that. So you didn't have, the closest thing you could get to uh, a Google News feed was like Yahoo, going to Yahoo, or back then there was a search engine called Northern Light. Uh, They also had an immense amount of uh, content on there that morning. And so uh, I kept it on the BBC's website all day and all night. And I kept, I kept one dial up connection going uh, constant uh, for four days afterwards uh, those that, that morning and the BBC's website just, and never cut out and never, I mean, they just really, you know, kudos to the engineers uh, who who were maintaining that. It was just uh, incredible how I was able to stay connected, uh, and just another demonstration of how wh- how and why the internet uh, works the way it does, and uh, the the redundancy of the internet that day was uh, it was incredible. the The amount of traffic was just it was beyond measure. Uh, and as I said, most websites were, you know, some didn't even work. Some didn't even load. And these are these were the, the largest websites of the time. Uh, now, of course, you have CDNs and mirrors and, you know, mirrored CDNs and all of that. But back then it was just, you know, a website <laughs> and a web server. And yeah, the, the larger the pipe, the more uh, traffic that you could accommodate on a web server like that. But uh, so that was that was kind of our look back uh, on that fateful day. It was it was really a a day that will uh, always live in my memory as far as the most shocking uh, day that I've ever been through. And and um, hopefully some of the news reports, uh, you know kind of hopefully we were able to take you back a little bit and uh let you experience uh some of that day uh and all of the heroic efforts that people uh you know mastered that day the first responders the you know the the police the the firefighters the the anybody who had a, a tactical reason uh or duty or civil duty to respond to those situations were involved. And uh, it, it really made me feel good to know that we had brave men and women out there, uh, making sure that everybody else was safe. And, uh, that, that's, that's a feeling that, uh, was very incredible. Even after the attacks, uh, there in, uh, Jacksonville, uh, you, you know, there was, everyone came together, uh, every everybody did uh you could you know with all of these protests and whatnot and i don't want to get into that uh but uh you know the the uh men and women in blue were the you know it they were the people that you actually you know you you sat there and went thank god you know these people are here to protect me and my family 
in those uh, instances and situations. And so uh, everybody came together. It was it was a good time to know that it wasn't a good time, but it was a good time to know that uh, er everybody that was you know took an oath to protect you was actually doing that, and that made me feel good uh, to see the union of people coming together. Uh, but so it was, it was, uh, it was certainly uh, a day that I'll never forget. Uh, I remember, uh, I was up for two days, uh, freaking out naturally, of course, everybody else was, uh, I was trying to, I was trying to get a hold of people in Chicago and New York. And what was strange was that when you would try to dial out, uh, to a large city, uh, it, you would get the 402 tone and it would it would be like all circuits are busy. And so you got an all circuits are busy recording almost everywhere that you called. Uh, so the phone systems were overwhelmed and it was it was it was certainly something uh, it was scary when you were trying to make a phone call and you couldn't. So I had a little trick back then. Uh, if anybody remembers, you could. There were you had uh, long distance telephone cards, and so um, I had a few long distance telephone cards. And so the trick that I found to getting through to some of the big cities was actually dialing the long distance telephone card service provider, uh, and then dialing the number to get into that local city. And it would connect you. It, so it seemed that the long-distance telephone cards on 9/11 took precedence over direct dial calls. Now I'm not, I'm you know, there's no science or you know factuations to back that up, but that that was how I was able to make calls and get through to some of the big cities. So, nevertheless, one of my little tricks uh, that I used, uh, ham operators were all over the place. You could, uh, we were chatting with hams all over the Midwest and into New York. Uh, and they, they were doing their part to help out and uh, keep everybody informed. And so uh, if, you, if you're not familiar with uh, a ham operator, just do a search for a ham radio and you will discover a whole new experience with uh, humanity in a fun, cool sort of way. Uh, I myself am a ham operator and have been. <laughs> since I was a kid, uh, and I do DX and TX a lot. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was, you know, let me go ahead and close the show out. There's, there's enough for everybody to digest at this point. Uh, and we are remembering everybody that, that fateful day. And, uh, and you should never forget the, uh, the people that sacrificed not only themselves, but uh, the, the, the tragedies and the, and the individual stories of loss uh, and grief that uh, occurred that day uh, should and should never be forgotten. And so we're going to close it out with that, folks. Uh, we will be back here next week on the 18th for show number 44. And until then, uh, you know, use your skills for something good. We will do the mailbag. We will do a little bit of feedback. And normally I, I close the show out by saying, you know how to get a hold of me, right? You know, twitter.com forward slash gummo, G-U-M-M-O-X-X-X. You can visit the website at hackers.xxx. You can send me an email at gummo, G-U-M-M-O, at hackers.xxx. 
And uh, you can find us all over the place. We're on Roku, uh, iTunes, you know, you name it, we're there. And yes, we are uh, coming to a lot of uh, VR and AR formats and platforms. Stay tuned for that. And again, uh, if you are a survivor of, of 9-11, which we all are, uh, I'll, take, I'll take a knee and tip my hat to you. And thank you as well for making someone feel comfortable that day. Uh, until then, until next week, folks, please use your skills for something good. Uh, stay positive, and we will see you next week for show number 44 of Transmit. Have a good night.